Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. And Bayside Veggies does a lot of things for the community and for transformations. So we put, they, we um, sell produce. What do you call it? Processed veggies, that's right. <laughs> and we sell them and we go all the way up to Bundaberg and on the Wide Bay area. It's an amazing business and what it also does is it provides financial support to transformations and also employment opportunities and work therapy for our residents. So it is a God-given social enterprise and Klaus and the team doing a fantastic job of running that for us. And um, so you probably realise that this award's going to go from one of his team members. That's why he's up on stage with me. Um, so I'd like to invite you while, um, and I'm going to read out his nomination while he's up here, but I want you to honour and um, applaud Mr. Rowan Hyam. Rowan joined our team, um, joined as a resident back in February 2021 and just um, about a year later he actually got off, about a year ago actually he um, started working as an employee at Bayside Veggies and um, you know sometimes opportunities come up in that kitchen and Rowan, Klaus just thought you came straight to mind because of your dedication Rowan that you've shown as a resident whilst you were working in that kitchen. You proved yourself as an exceptional kitchen boss while he was in the program. He showed good leadership skills, forklift capability, solid background in warehousing and food processing. So the transition to veggies was relatively easy. During his program, Rowan struggled with um, internal motivation and mental health and some days were a real struggle. So you've worked really hard, Rowan, to enter into that team having to get up at 5.30 every morning, pushing through the days when you didn't feel so great. Um, you know, you've just had this attitude, you've got to support the team. You dealt with the challenge admirably and has only had one day off in sick in 12 months. <laughs> He is dependable, reliable, and a hard worker. And he always finishes every task that's given to him, no matter what it takes. Rowan has a, is a polite and calm personality and has built really good friendships in the last 12 months. He's a valuable and well-liked member of our team and who can always be relied on to go the extra mile. Klaus also wanted to mention that your strengths is your heart for people. You're happy to serve. You've got a strong faith and lives with Christian beliefs. He loves the program and enjoys interacting with the residents and supporting them during their recovery. Very productive at work, fast, tidy, conscientious and thinks ahead. You think out of the box, which Klaus likes. And you're always looking out for other people, Rowan. You're an integral and valued member of the Bayside Veggies team and the Greater Transformations Community. 
and you're a real living example of what this program, the outcomes that we get here. And we just want to honour you and give you the first Dedication to Recovery Award. But many, well done. Thank you very much, guys. It is such a... It is such an amazing... You know, when you're doing recovery and, you got, and you're working full-time, you're managing your life, and it's like... It's really impressive. We really, we really honour that. Okay, so... I'm just going to interview one at a time, if that's okay, Ross. Yeah? And we're going to start with... 2023 graduate, the first one off the ranks is our scallywag, is what they've called him, Tom Costello. Just make ourselves comfortable up here. Okay. Is the photo up? Check that out doesn't even look like the same person, does it? Yeah, when I first saw that, it brought tears to my eyes to think about you as a young boy. I think you were about 14 or 15 there. No, I, was about, I was about 18 there. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, wow, you know, like how much you've changed, but how scary that would have been um, for your family and yourself. You know, your, your dad, Peter and Simona here today, all the way from Victoria. And they're super excited. It was lovely to hang out with you all last night. And so share with us a little bit about what your life was like back in those days, Tom. Um, so, yeah, like, I lived a pretty good childhood. Like, we didn't want much, want for anything. So grew up on the farms and that. And then when we moved into town, that sort of, like, when I was around 11 or 12, that's sort of when I sort of started running muck a little bit more. And, um, you know, I had more freedom. I was wagon school and doing bits and pieces and then I don't know I just took off got around got around a different crowd um sort of felt like I was um a part of something and felt like I was um like I was um that you belong like yeah that I sort of belonged and that that I had um relationship and connection and um unfortunately it was the wrong kind of connection um, and I found my purpose in, you know, uh, like, yeah, just run the mark and just... Yeah. So you were getting in trouble with the law and, yeah. 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 And what, were you, what was your drug of choice? Uh, mostly weed and meth, yeah. How old were you when you first used ice? I was about 14, 15 when I first used meth, um, yeah, it's such a young age, you know, and on the streets of Bendigo, you've shared a few stories with me, and I think, as a mother, I think, oh my gosh, your parents would have been beside themselves with fear, and um, it's amazing that you actually survived. I know that you, you had some close calls. Yeah, yeah. What happened there? I almost died when I was about 15, because I had um, water on my lung and infected asthma and um, many other close calls, but... Yeah, so I was lucky that I had the support of my, my family to get me through those times because um, I wouldn't 
got to it by, me, by myself. Yeah. And I think that's probably where those tears were coming from, from them last night, was a relief that, you know, where you're at today is just a true miracle, Tom. Sure. And your, it just shows that family support. Yeah. So what actually, as you, you went to rehab at 19, when did you, what made you decide you wanted to change your life and how did you call transformations? What happened there? Back then, oh, I was just absolutely running mark up. My life was just, um, yeah, we all say it's unmanageable and it definitely was. It was um. I was uh, not living a great lifestyle. I was um, had a lot of pending court issues, and I was just yeah, absolutely run the mark. I was just um, living a lifestyle that uh, was very dangerous, and um, yeah, and I just decided that um, it needed to come to an end before uh, my life came to an end. So um, yeah, so I, um, with the help, the support of my family, I, I'm pretty lucky because I actually didn't go through the process of doing my admissions and stuff I had my father there to guide me through that process he was there well before I was even ready to start that process um, trying to chase that up for me and just yeah so um, when um, it just shows you you know the, the support that you know yeah you know that's really helped you and you so you went to Velocity Transformations down in Hobart yeah. the first time when you were 19 you completed that program yeah after about 18 months yeah and then you end up returning back to that lifestyle and, yeah. and relapsed. Yeah. How long were you in, um, how long did you go back for? Well, I was back home for about a year and a half, but um, for the first, I don't know, six months, I was just drinking and gambling. And then, then I sort of lost hope and um, wasn't really seeing any positive outcomes and um, was struggling to move forward and see any real um, purpose in life. I was just working and doing my thing. Like, back doing my thing and sounds like you really lost your hope and your purpose again yeah so I, I wasn't really seeing any any real outcomes and mm. struggling to find did you call housing. did you call Harvey Bay not long like when you wanted to come back in is that how you yeah yeah so um yeah after about 18 months I called back up here and just knew that I needed to be back here as much as I, I hate to admit I didn't want to come back here but I knew it was I knew it was a spot for me so yeah and I knew it's really good. It's like you listen to that spirit within you that yeah. didn't, you know, you didn't want to do it, but you knew what you needed. Yeah. God knew what you needed. Yeah, for sure. Um, what's been the biggest, I guess, the revelation, the, mo the, the defining moment during the program? Because there were, I certainly seen a, sh well, we, as a team, we've seen a shift. So, what would you say? Um, just learning to like let go and uh, accept that I don't have the answers for everything and um, that I just need to trust in the people because, um, yeah, I, lack, I lacked a lot of trust for others, um, relying on myself so much and just, you know, expecting that my way was the best way. And, um, yeah, so just just accepting that I need to let go and trust in God and let his plans work for my life. Yeah, so. You, could, you actually seen that happen because the moment you did, it was like God just opened the doors you know, it was just, it was his perfect timing and it just all like a jigsaw puzzle just started falling into place for you. What would you say, I guess, I get, it's probably the same answer around the biggest challenge, I guess, to lose control and doing it things your way would have been pretty hard. Yeah, so yeah, just accepting that, that there was um, more to life than what I had planned. I'd, 
I'd planned to go back to work and just do my own thing after I finished here and um, yeah God had other plans so now and what is his plans what are you doing now um, so I was blessed to have the opportunity to go down and start help um, be the resident leader down at Ipswich campus and in Kamira so yeah, yeah. <laughs> just follow on that and seeing where he wants to lead me with that yeah because yeah, Chris said last night that you've definitely you know you had leadership qualities all over your life you know and God just had to refine you and work on those challenging behaviors because when you have got you know control and trust issues you know it can be quite hard to you know that there was a bit of real defense with Tom you wouldn't want to mess with him when he got into that space but to see him now choosing love and he's going to have plenty of practice down there at Wetside Campus. And we were laughing about that last night. But yeah. you're the perfect guy for the job. And besides transformations, the program and leadership, what else would you hope, as a, what else is a goal of yours? You're only a young man. What would you hope for your future? Oh, I'm t- at the minute I'm just trusting, but I've got, I got many hopes and dreams, hopes of family and um, the rest of it. Yeah, so I just, I'm just praying that. And he's perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. Because my timing doesn't work. (laughs) Well done, Tom. I think what we'll do is we'll leave you to, I'm just thinking, maybe stay up here Mm. while we interview the other guys. Yeah. Congratulations, Tom. You're amazing, mate. Okay, so we're going to... We've got a female graduate coming up next, and her name is Charmaine. Oh, have a seat. This is actually, this is a pretty, um, this is emotional because I just remember when Charmaine came into the program and, you know, if you're in the medical field and, you know, the doctors and... You know, they know Charmaine because she's been struggling with alcoholism for quite a few years. And the, I remember Dr. Sharnley said, didn't think you were going to make it. And I just am so proud of you. You have just done so amazingly, Charmaine. Look at you today. You know, you've just always been a beautiful girl, but you're just really, you just look like you've got peace in your life. Thanks, yeah. Oh, okay, so... What was your life like? Well, I was going to say that, like, until I was about 35, I thought my life was pretty normal. I worked as an emergency nurse in rescue for over 20 years, and I really had good friends and connection and purpose. Then, and my two beautiful daughters, and then in about 2005, everything came crashing down around me we ended up moving, my now ex-husband moved to a general store in the middle of nowhere. I was working 13 hours a day in the store, just in the middle of an isolated community. I was lonely, isolated, overwhelmed. And um, yeah, in, in order to cope, I found some wine. And that wine started with one glass, became two, and then, yeah, that became my coping mechanism. So since 2007, I've been battling, going to rehabs, 
getting well, but they only ever taught me relapse prevention, not how to cope. Yeah. I know, I just I find your testimony fascinating because, you know, it just shows that addiction is not, it doesn't discriminate. It can actually happen to us all. And just to think about your life being so functional, you know, you're being flown around Australia into wreckages and saving, like you're a very, very qualified nurse and um, you're amazing the way your brain works. And I know you loved that job. So to think about not being able to do what you feel like you've been called to do because you've had to move for family, that would have just been so, like you said, isolating and lonely and... I couldn't imagine what that would have been like. Yeah. So no wonder, you know, it makes sense to me yeah. that you found comfort in the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. So you ended up coming to Transformations. Yes. What was the lead up to that look like? Oh, well, a bit like that. <laughs> I wasn't actually drinking at that time, but I might, well, life wasn't going very well I wasn't working and I wasn't sleeping and I was using alcohol to sleep and and yeah I rolled out of bed one day and hit the bedside table yeah. took myself to hospital and told them I had a subdural they said how do you know and <laughs> I told them the symptoms <laughs> but I was just over relapsing and just not coping with whenever I got overwhelmed or distressed I'd just go and drink because that helped me cope and I thought, I've had enough. I can't do this on my own anymore. I thought I could do it on my own. And I realised I needed help, not just from people around me, but from Lord. So amazing. <laughs> and I think that's what the program offers is, the, is obviously God and how to cope and learning how to cope in these situations and why do we do the things that we do. So for you, Charmaine, what were some of those things that you learnt in the program or that were challenging for you that you had to face? Well, what I learnt was that I didn't have to do it by myself, that I could actually just surrender and let God do what he needed to do and stop getting in his way because that's what I was doing. <laughs> And, look, I've always had a relationship with God, but I didn't feel that I, would, I deserved help. I thought that I have to do this. And the most challenging thing, well, apart from surrendering, that was pretty challenging, is actually then doing the bit that was up to me to do. And that was actually practising everything we're taught in the program. I could be told what my issues were, but actually to use the tools, yeah. yeah. I did a lot of CBTs in our program, wearing badges and tool belts. And <laughs> yeah, some of those CBTs, we got, had to get really creative with you. Um, but um, I think learning, the, your, learning how to confront and to be assertive and to have a voice was challenging. And you got a lot of CBTs around that, didn't you? Yeah, and I think that was, um, was actually learning that I had worth. Learning how to confront was helping me learn that I had self-worth yeah, yeah, and worth in God. It's just amazing, Shami. And what, do you, um, what is your future looking like now? What are you doing? Well, I volunteer at Transformations, but I'm also doing a postgraduate 
degree in pastoral care for mental health. Yeah. And I'd like to not just work at transformations, but actually use that to support first-line responders. You know, they've got psychology, but to actually um, help them learn what I've learned. Yeah. I think that is just amazing, Charmaine. And I just love that God uses everything for good for those who believe in him. And for you to have surrendered that over, he's going to use all the things that you learn, all the hard times where you had to do things on your own um, to be able to help people that you, where you've come from. Yeah. Well done, Charmaine. Thank you. Rightio, here we go. Mr. Ashley Budd. So good seeing you there, sitting there with your kids, Ash. It's been such a big part of your journey and it means, I know you've got four children, two could make it today and um, it means a lot to you for them to be here. You're like, you're like a different man when you're with your kids, you know that? Just, yeah, you smile, you can't get the smile off your face, it's like you get into daddy. All right, Ash. Yes. Tell us, what was your life like before coming into Transformations? And I know it's a big life, and I know we haven't got... No, I'm not saying that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go. Okay. Yeah. Um, life, was, life was pretty good. I um, had a good job. I... Um, yeah, but I was always... Uh, always seemed to... Yeah, alcohol, that was my identity. I was, um, right from leaving school up, yeah, I was the, yeah. the drinker, you know. The, but, um, yeah, things, when I got a high-pressure job, that's, um, I started earning a fair bit of money. I started drinking a lot to cope then. And I never sort of heeded the warnings, even from Lucy and, and Jody, you know, like, and then when we did a drop and graft and in 2019, November, yeah, I, that's the first time I decided that I sort of had enough, so I'd locked myself in a room and just drank for four days straight and ended up in hospital. But that was, now, that was sort of a blessing because when they ultrasounded my body and that, they picked up cancer, so that actually saved me life because it was an aggressive tumour. So they, it was about the size of a cricket ball on my left kidney, so they cut it out. Yeah. So that was sort of nearly a blessing, but stupid me couldn't help myself. Started smoking copious amounts of pot, ridiculous amounts. Yeah. And it sent me, it eventually just sent me. It really affected your mental health badly, didn't it? Yeah, massively. Like, just sent me into places you don't want to go. Yeah. yeah, and that's. Went into the, got arrested, ended up in the psych ward for a pretty long time. And then the only person to take me in was mum, but she was going through a toxic divorce. And they were both using alcohol to cope. And then I sort of fell back into that trap. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's just a horrible cycle, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's... You know, I know it's so elusive, the alcohol, it's... Yeah. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you came into Transformations. Do you remember making that phone call, Ash? Um, nah. And I, and I remember... I remember Davey told me I called multiple, multiple times, but it was only because I'd ring and then I'd forget and I'd have to ring back and go, ask what did I ring? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, I I rang a few places, but, yeah, just, I remember packing one morning and just drove up here, yeah. And um, I remember when you first were in the program and, like you said, your mental health had deteriorated so badly. Yeah. Not only were you manic depression like just completely um highly medicated yeah yeah i was on the the depot and lithium and it's um yeah that stuff destroys you it just so for yeah for to come into a program not only having to face the program but also to face what those those drugs for those mental health it's like you had a challenge on your hand And like, I can't, it's just amazing that you not only made it through assessment, let alone graduating this program after how long? 18 months. 18 months. You've left the program twice. Yeah. Relapsed, come straight back. Yeah. What's it been like for you? What would you say is one of the defining moments or what sort of, when was that moment where you just shifted and went, you know what, this, I'm actually going to do this. I remember waking up one morning in my bed and I I just felt a love like I'd never felt before. Like, it was just the most beautiful thing and it was like I just started playing this reel in my head and just everything about the program just sort of clicked and made sense and it just sort of become, like, just the way it's structured just all the way through it just all makes sense you know like it's yeah Yeah. but just just to feel that love and to know where it comes from that was pretty cool yeah it's pretty amazing Mm. and when you when you talk about that love Ash and the love that God has for you as his child you know, it's definitely role modelled through this, the love that you have for your children. Yeah. Same love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about the, um, what was the challenge, the most challenging thing in the program that you had to face personally for yourself? Um, Where you got the most growth out of? Yeah, well, my biggest challenge was leadership. <laughs> Um, Be nice. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah, so I, I get into these zones where if I think something's not right, yeah, you know, I lock horns. And um, but I'm, I've I've gotten better. Like, yeah. But that that seems I don't know. It's sort of like an avenue to take your focus off other things. Yeah. What was that? Say that again. It's just an avenue to take focus off other things. 
It's yeah. cool. That's a good revelation. Yeah. And um, although although I love it. <laughs> Ashley was also um, comes from the trade background. is a qualified bricklayer and spent many years running his own business and working for big companies, and, and also a die-hard union representative. So yes, you could imagine the things that we've had to face working with Ash. <laughs> it's been an honour and a privilege, though. It's just been wonderful to see the transformation in your life, Ash. What does, um, what does your, initially what's happening in your life now and what's the future hold? Um, well, I've been given the opportunity to work um, under Klaus, which is amazing. Respect the man so much. Um, yeah, to build a, a garden at, at Transformation. So yeah. six months project. What sort of project is it? Well, it's just going to be a... It's just going to be a functioning garden area to grow all sorts of things that we can't afford to buy, you know, just for the resis. Yeah. It's going to have pergolas, water tanks, and we'll have seating areas, and yeah. just just have a beautiful space, you know. And yeah. Like Tina wants to use it for counselling, you know, just just somewhere tranquil, tranquil, yeah. tranquil, yeah. Um, yeah, and a good place for everyone to have a smoke on break. <laughs> As part of that, it's like a work for the doll project and um, it's a great opportunity for you, Ash, and for us. What about, um, and you're also doing the works coordinator role at Transformations as yeah, well. Yeah, so I'll be doing the morning with Klaus and then helping you guys out in the afternoons, yeah. Yeah, and part of that in the leadership position that you're taking on, because you're a very creative man as well. Ash writes his own songs, plays his own music, beautiful guitarist, and he's being a part of teaching the guys music and being right in your gifts. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to really enjoy that. There's some few guys sitting there that are, I reckon, ready to shine. They're, they're, pretty, they're pretty good. So yeah, pretty amazing, yeah. So it'll be cool to yeah, put some stuff together like yeah um and before we finish off is there anything else you want to say about um just about your future about my future yeah i'm in no rush to do anything i was yeah i spent 20 years trying to reach the formula that i was told you have to do to make it in life and it Wait, what was that formula i remember you saying that to me yeah well i got drilled in my head yeah you don't go to university, don't you? you get a trade, you get married, you have kids, you own your home by 50 and then if you're lucky enough you get to travel the world or just whatever. And that, so I would try to do that but that was never me, you know. Yeah. And it's so good to see who you truly are now and that's yeah. just a wonderful, creative, talented, caring, beautiful man who just loves his children so much. Yeah, and yeah. it's just so amazing. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty special to, like, just, yeah, they know. The kids know, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... I just can't That's wait it. for the future with them, you know, like... Yeah, I know. To be yeah. able to be that father that, you know, you're that good yeah. father. Always was. I just I just fell away for a bit, that's all. Yeah. yeah. You're back. I'm back. I'm back. He's back. 
guys want to come over we're going to give you all your awards and Tina you want to come up and help us do that amazing stories amazing testimonies about God's grace and his protection stand today and if you guys could come forward a bit I'm going to invite some of their family and some of the leaders because we want to pray a prayer of blessing on them today so if you guys can come forward a bit so others can come and stand around you those that have been part of their journey or would like to just come um, to be a blessing and we want to pray but come forward guys so others can come around you we want to pray blessing on you and uh, how awesome is as a church family we've been a part of loving and praying for them and uh chatting to them at morning tea time. Some of you have been uh, mentors, you've been facilitators, and we've together, this is an amazing, amazing time. You know, I just, I just see God's grace smiling on you guys. That love that you talked about, Ash, I feel that today for each one of you. And I believe that the residents here that you're on the journey one day you'll be here in your own journey feeling that beautiful love and I just feel incredible grace and love pouring over you and I'd like to pray a prayer of blessing over you and why don't you reach out your hands towards them right now Father I just pray right now for your beautiful grace just to pour over Tom over Ashley over Charmaine. Let them feel your beautiful love that fills every part of their soul, every part of their being. Lord, you would protect them, keep them safe and strong. May their story, their testimony, as it goes out today and throughout the years ahead, bring great blessing. And I just pray for these beautiful children. Lord, may they know your love. Lord, I pray for Tom as he steps up into leadership that you would flow through him. God, may he have the joy of seeing dozens of other men and women rescued. And I thank you for each one here. Lord, Charmaine has seen your hands of healing to so many. Let that continue to flow. And Lord, you would just open up doorways that no man can close. And for Ashley, all of his gifts, Lord, is with his music, he'll raise up others. And Lord, together they would see your grace and your kingdom grow in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone shouted, amen, amen, amen. Congratulations. This is so beautiful. God bless you. Congratulations. Wow, wow, wow. As they're going back, we're going to invite uh, Tina, Pastor Tina Davy, to come and just share share a word of encouragement to us before we finish today and go and celebrate outside and uh, I want to honour Tina, 
that's been ministering and leading this ministry here now for over 13 years. This is our 14th year. <coughs> She's a mother in the faith and a great blessing. Come on up, Tina, and share <coughs> and minister. Encourage us. And uh, let's open our hearts for the next few minutes and let God speak to your heart and our lives. And those that are watching online, listen in. Thanks, Thanks Ross. Oh, it's so awesome. I love this time as usual. March, October, so exciting and love to see these people graduate and go where they're going and what God has for them. So, and I'm sure, you know, Jesus would be so proud of these guys, you know, like he said, he is so proud of us all, really, you know, not just these guys. And and I'm just going to remind all of us, all of you, all of you, that you are created, wonderfully created by God himself, you know, like that's what he says. He, this is what Jesus said. I formed you in my mother, in your mother's womb. I actually formed you. I formed you before the foundations of the earth. And how he forms us is, a, is actually very symbolic because in the beginning, before the foundations of the world, he is, he is known to actually create out of dust, the dust of the earth, clay that he created human beings. So that's that creation story and how he built the foundations of the earth. I, I just get completely blown away by that concept. And, um, you know, the beginning that we are all beautiful beings in his sight. And I'm sure many of you actually have heard because I'm going to talk about the potter today. And I'm sure many of you have heard the saying at funerals, ashes to ash, dust to dutch, dust to dust, which originally comes from the book Ecclesiastes 3.20, which says we all come from dust and return to dust. And that statement is so true. The biology of our bodies, the makeup, the physiology of our bodies, the, the flesh, um, 60% is made up of water and the elements from the earth. Your body is made up of oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, phosphorus, potassium, sulfur, sodium, chlorine and magnesium and many other elements that you will find on the earth's surface. I'm telling you, the creation story is so true. So, and in, and in the beginning, it says God breathed life into it. Beautiful. This is a beautiful. You know, and, and studies have proven that clay has actually healing properties to it too when used on the body. And most of these elements you will find in the dust of the earth. So when God said he made you from the dust of the earth, that is who we are. The human being make makeup is made up from clay and water. And the creation story confirms this, as so does the prophet Isaiah, confirms this when he writes in Isaiah 64:8. Yet you, Lord, our Father, we are the clay and you are the potter. We are all works of your hand. How beautiful is that? It's just so, all this is so symbolic. That's why I wanted to bring, because I just, just so beautiful people, so beautiful people when I look around 
God created us. We were wonderfully and beautifully made. And the word potter in the Old Testament means yatsar, the one who forms. And there are so many symbolic references to us being like the clay. Paul refers us to jars of clay. Job 23, 4, 6 says Job's friend identifies himself as a piece of clay. And this is what he says in, in the scripture. The spirit of God has made me. The breath of the almighty gives life. I am the same as you in God's sight. I too am a piece of clay. And there's another story in the book of Jeremiah where God told Jeremiah to go down and meet him at the potter's house, Jeremiah 18, 3, 6. And this is what Jeremiah says. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred and in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot shaping it as seemed best to him. And marred, when he says the clay was marred, marred actually means the clay was flawed, blemished and disfigured. And the word of the Lord came to him, to me, God said, can I not, this is what God said, cannot to Jeremiah, can I not do with you, Israel, as the pot, this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. How beautiful is that imagery? <laughs> Which lines up with David saying we are in the palms of his hands. You know, like it's just so beautiful. And if we look at the potter, he needs to create a pot, or who needs to create a pot or a figurine, he needs four, four tools. A wheel, I've been watching pottery, it's pretty, pretty fascinating. A wheel, a clay, water and clay and hands. Clay, clay on its own can do nothing. And once on the wheel, things can go wrong in the shape, of course. I've seen it when they goes everywhere. But the potter can always start again if it does not turn out for how it was meant to be. Before using the clay, the potter needs to prepare it by kneading it and wedging, kneading clay actually just gets, eliminates air bubbles and stuff. So I bought, uh, I bought some little goodies. This is a piece of clay. They come in actually in all different types of colours. And uh, I'm just going to compare this lump of clay to the human soul that actually gets out of shape by life, our life events. This piece would become hard if it was left out in the elements and it would need water to soften it again. And the human soul there becomes hard and un can become hard and unmalleable. It's been shaped by fear. You know where we get these guys, no matter who you are, Something is shaping you, whether from your childhood, wherever it is, from your divorce, for whatever it is. It becomes shaped by fear, abuse, rejection and abandonment, hopelessness and selfishness, betrayal, bullying, lack of trust, stubbornness, unforgiveness. People hear these stories and you hear them and this is where 
why people have become so hard. I note the story, you know, for Ash when he was a union rep. Hardened as they come, he was. No messing around with him. That's how hard people can become. Life circumstances can make a person hard. The soul can be bent out of shape by hurt and pain or poor decisions or wrongdoings against us or disfigured by trying to satisfy our deep need of him with other things, being distracted. All of the above steer the direction of our lives and says, some people say I'm afraid, I don't trust, nobody's safe, I'll do it my way like Tom says. These are the elements that, the God, that our God would help reshape and hold us in his hands to help us guide us back intimately with him. And then the potter kneads the clay, puts it on the wheel and holds those floor with his loving hands. Just see, it's just so, so beautiful to see a potter moving around with that clay and water. Reshapes those flaws and blemishes for his purpose. And it becomes a relationship. It's such a special, intimate relationship the potter has with the clay. And you actually, when I was looking at the research and seeing people, you know, I've seen people on the wheel and they've just got this real connection, um, intimate connection, a deep sense of connection with the clay. They, they, they are so focused on it and what they are forming. And the potter places the piece of clay right in the centre of the wheel to stabilise it. Just like us, he wants to stabilise us to help us feel safe again from all what has happened to us in our past or previous lives or through life events that we go through. And that piece of clay, again, as I said, needs Potter's full attention so he can create the shape and its purpose and at the right time the Potter adds water to his hands and it becomes more malleable. The imagery I see is the resemblance of his living water that Jesus talks about. Yeah, yeah. Water, he keeps yeah. tipping it in, putting it all over the clay. It's just, it's life. Yeah. His living water softens the souls and hearts of us all. Yeah. And as most of you know, God's intention from the beginning of time, as you will read in his word, was to soften our hearts with his love and he pursues us to do that and he didn't stop pursuing any one of you and as the word that God says that's what his living water does and what can he do with a softened heart softening of the clay can produce any shape and purpose he wants for the piece of clay and this clay would not be able to shape if it wasn't for the water You've got to have the water. Water, his hands and clays are moulding and shaping your purpose while you live on earth. One of these purposes he has is for us to connect with him on the wheel of life. When I watch men and women in our program come in with such hardened hearts from life elements and see the softening of the heart over the 12 months, I just get blown away of God's love and transforming power. 
and even in your own lives, knowing your own testimonies and stories of what God has done. He creates a new identity to who they originally were created to be. You only have to look at a child and a baby to see the innocence of them, the happiness, the joy. And I see all of these three graduates with a new identity and now serving others in their God's purpose, God-given purpose. And the message over the last few weeks is about serving and where we can serve. And the Apostle Paul calls himself a servant. And there's such a deeper meaning to serving that and it's interrelated with our purpose. Our purpose for serving all relates to his message. Come, follow me. Put your old life aside and I will make you a fisher of men through my love, my mercy and my grace. You will know how to actually be led by his spirit. Even through our flaws, he can use our God-given strengths talents, passions and gifts to serve him because he's still got us in his hands and notice I said God given because it's only when it's only what you want If it cannot be so if it's, it can be out of self given purpose because we start off a lot of time in our life with, as um, Ash said it can be self focused this is how the there's some rules there that I can become this person, but that may not be God's given purpose. And so we are all unique and created for different purposes. We have one common goal together, and that is to be a light of God's love. And that is what the potter has in, in, in his hands for all of us. As Paul writes to the Ephesians, we are God's created, God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. So God usually lets you know or pushes you towards doing something that may be out of your comfort zone and squeezes you through sometimes this program does out of your comfort zone. And in our stage, in stage three, our men and women are put into a position where they have to serve their community. It's part of the discipleship program. And if you have a look around, most of us are disciples. It's actually serving. Discipleship is all about serving. Serving others make life easier for his people. He calls us to serve one another. Paul writes to serve one another humbly in love. Serving comes in many forms and in that process it comes through our passions, our talents, our strengths and our gifts to serve his people, to serve people outside of this even. In, uh, God, in Romans 9, it says the potter creates us all for different services, some for special and some for common use. It's just like the body having different parts. No part is more important than the other. The ears, the eyes, the arms and the backbone, the fingers and the toes all have different functions, but it is connected to one body. And some parts are obvious and some parts are hidden from our visual, but they all play an important part and they all have different functions and purposes. So, you know, somebody who 
greets me on the door just makes me feel welcome. Somebody who's in admin or does our administration, you know, like they're in the background, but, you know, can't do without them. They are part, they are so part of us. They are so necessary and we cannot give accolades to one more than the other. We cannot do this ministry without everybody connected. You know, gardening, I think of people giving financially and I, and I, I just wanted to put this in today because this is my heart's desire. Um, there is that youth thing that's coming up and it's a, uh, what is it, the youth event? I'm telling you, you know, when you give financially to a ministry like this, to that, that's got an agenda, I'm telling you, people, you will prevent people from coming into rehab or going into prisons. You know, like this is, this is what it's all about. We are, the people who give financially are just as important, the potter, created you for a function and purpose we all belong we just got to find out where we belong and for what purpose because we can make this place a better place see yourself as unique I've got I brought his face I bought a little jug for this little potter I bought a pot plant holder of uh, plants life we all have this, look, this is a smelling, some people can go up, you smell good. <laughs> we can hold flowers. We are created, the potter creates it. You know, this is a little elephant that's uh, a strange and can make you probably laugh if you have a real good look at it. It's just a weird looking elephant. <laughs> so we all fit differently. We all fit differently. We are treasures of clay, he says. You are in the palms of his hands, holding you while he takes you on this journey of life filled with connection, connection and purpose. And so before I just finish off, I would really like to thank all those who serve our program, all our teachers, all our guys that, um, who mentor our guys, um, for Klaus and what he does and gives out. The op shop, the people that work at our op shop, Nicole and, you know, just give out of their service. Admin, people who help in admin. The church, who just make our guys feel so welcome. Everybody, Pastor Ross, Mary Lynn, everybody, I just want to say thank you so much for helping us and um, be assured you are all unique and treasures of God's clay in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. Wow. That is so beautiful. Which pot are you? <laughs> Thanks for reminding us how powerful it is to be in his hands. Do you want that one as well? your clay. Thanks, Tina. Why don't we stand together? Worship team, come. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au 
or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.